Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. On this week's episode of Where We Are, we'll discuss the latest entrance into the 2024 GOP primary. Plus, we have breaking news on the debt ceiling negotiations. We'll share that with you right after the break. You're listening to Where We Are. This is where we are. We are the Wares. I'm Michael. I'm Melissa. And we're back with you for another week. And just before we started recording, Melissa, we got breaking news. I'm not going to share all the details, A, because I want uh, to, to make sure that what's the, the, the fine print of what's come out is, is real. Uh, and also need a little time to process uh, the, the fine print that has come out. But just before we start recording, uh, uh, Speaker McCarthy and President Joe Biden announced that a deal has been reached on debt ceiling, uh, on raising the debt ceiling uh, and avoiding default. Uh, M- Melissa, again, we'll, we'll comment on the particulars on the morning five uh, this this week, but I have to say, you know, I, I hope that you know Speaker McCarthy tweeted out about the deal and had to include this dig at Biden, um, which really to me reflects how scared our politicians are of telling their folks that they've made a deal with quote unquote the other side, and so McCarthy couldn't even get out the tweet, even though he said the deal was a good deal for the American people, but he couldn't get that out without also, you know, making clear to his side that he doesn't like Biden, that Biden, you know, screwed up somehow, da da da. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's a, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating that with all the bipartisan accomplishment, both sides seem really, uh, seem hesitant to to claim it as bipartisan accomplishments because they know so much of their so many of their own supporters uh, uh, hate hate the other side <laughs> in large part because uh, from uh, through the fundraising operations and through much of the activity of politicians they spend time telling their side how much they should hate the other side it's but, a circle yeah no it is uh, but this um, I I I hope that we're able to get a moment where you know you see the president and the speaker side by side 
you know, this this deal is has something for everyone not to like, which is, you know, generally how these deals should be in a closely divided Congress. There are new work requirements. Uh, well, do you know what? Let's let's let, we'll we'll cover the details on the morning five. I think the main point I, I want to get out is I, I hope that there's a moment to recognize this bipartisan uh, this bipartisan achievement, especially because Melissa, I'm also you know this is intentionally a little patronizing. I'm proud that they didn't wait until right up to the deadline. Me too. You know, like yeah, so often with these debates, they need to. They need to wait until the last moment so the pressure is as intense as it can get and they could you know, tell their side, oh, we had to make a deal. We were on the brink. Uh, but Treasury Secretary Yellen had extended the deadline to June, uh, June 5th mm-hmm. uh, this past week. And so they've come to an agreement uh, almost uh, uh, over a week ahead of that. Now... It, it should be said, the last comment I'll make on the debt ceiling, just because Speaker McCarthy and President Biden have come to an agreement doesn't mean it's going to pass Congress. I think it's really likely. I think it would, I, 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 I think it's really, uh, I'd put the, the odds at something like 20, 25 percent um, because uh, I, the, the the stakes of not not getting this 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 right are pretty high, um, uh, but but the, the, there will have to be a vote, and it will be a tough vote for for some of these members. So it's not a it's not a done deal. But usually, president and the speaker come to an agreement, uh, and and they'll be able to muscle it through if they have to. Melissa, any thoughts on the debt ceiling debt ceiling deal? I got to read the first paragraph of the deal, and that's <laughs> all I've read. So yeah, I mean, I this just broke, like literally, ten like minutes ago. ten minutes before yeah. we hit hit record. Fresh off the press. Fresh, hot off the press. Hot off the press. I mean, here's the thing. Fresh Sec- and hot. The only thing I'll say is Secretary of Treasury Jenny Yellen was basically guessing when she was giving them any kind of deadline, whether it was June 1st a couple weeks ago, June 5th. Well, last yeah, week. I mean, well, you have to. I mean, it's a really hard. Well, yeah. that's what I'm saying is that I feel like. They couldn't have gone up to the line because we weren't sure if the line was the correct line. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so, I'll say, so I'm very grateful that they have gone before June 1st simply because we don't know when some of these exactly what bills, bills will we come would down. have to actually choose to default on. It would have been just a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just from like a logistical standpoint. Well, alone and right, the, even getting close to the deadline... The markets get scarce. Yes, the markets were already extremely ready for this to be to continue to be a sort of like um, a big fight. So, yeah. uh, okay, so so that'll be big news for this week. That basically means you know Congress its agenda is going to be uh, set for for this week. Um, uh, there's going to be debate votes. Senator Mike Lee in Utah has said he's going to use procedural ploys to try and hold this up in the Senate because he doesn't think uh, uh, he doesn't think the, the the cuts in spending are uh, are sort of structural enough and and so there it, it won't be exactly smooth sailing but I think by Thursday we'll have we'll have a, a signed a signed bill 
We'll see. We'll see if I'm right. Um, the main thing we want to discuss, there has been so much 2024 news. Mm-hmm. I don't plan, Melissa, on doing, you know, for 2020, I did a whole podcast that was walking folks as someone who has led religious outreach for a presidential campaign, uh, walking people through the 2020 race, both the primaries and the general. I don't mm-hmm. plan on doing a separate podcast. And so so where we are will be sort of a place where you can come to, uh, where listeners can come to get a sort of inside read on, on how this presidential race is developing, particularly as it relates to people of faith, but also generally as well. And we had a busy week in the primary uh, on the on the Republican side this week, right, Melissa? Mm-hmm. We did. We had we had Senator Tim Scott announce on Monday, this last Monday, that he would be running. He had announced that he had formed an exploratory committee previously. You know what? A couple months ago, but he he announced. And then on Wednesday, we also had. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis jump in on Wednesday. Do you want to go over Tim first? Yeah, let's do this in chronological order. I want to play you, I think, two excerpts from, well, we'll play one, talk about it, and then I want to play another from Tim Scott's announcement. Uh, He announced on Monday uh, and had a a pretty big uh, Senator John Thune from South Dakota, who's often been in presidential race talks and as a potential mm-hmm. VP, uh, he endorsed uh, a, a really significant endorsement, I think, out of, out of the gate um, for for Tim Scott. Uh, so Senator Thune was part of the, the program, and Senator Tim Scott gave maybe 30, 35-minute talk I want to play a couple of clips by the near the end of uh, of of the stump speech. Here's here's the first one. Finally, my grandfather's stubborn faith was not just faith in the goodness of America. It was faith in God Himself. Amen. I will be the president who stops the far left's assault on our religious liberty. I will preserve one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. We will be the nation where we honor our creator and respect every innocent life. This is who we are. This is who we can be. This is the freest, fairest land where you can go as high as your character and your grit and your talent will take you. I bear witness to that. I testify to that. That's why I'm the candidate the far left fears the most. (laughs) 
You see, when I cut your taxes, they called me a prop. When I refunded the police, they called me a token. When I pushed back on President Biden, they even called me the N-word. I disrupt their narrative. I threaten their control. The truth of my life disrupts their lies. So, Melissa, mm-hmm. <laughs> once again, and we talked about this mm-hmm. uh, several episodes back. There, there are things I disagree with there. There are things I wish he didn't say, things I wish he would have said. This isn't a, a sort of ideological statement. Just as, a, as an objective observer, that is someone who has a distinct message, mm-hmm. who's running for a reason, who isn't... Uh, uh, who, whose message comes from who he is as opposed to what, what we so often see, which is uh, someone who wants to be president and, and is sort of seeking after a message that, will, uh, that they feel will get them there. And those are the kind of people I want to see running, people, people who have a, something distinctive to contribute. Uh, I have some other comments about, about the remarks, but what... What stuck out to you? Well, for those who are just listening and have, don't have time to look up the clip or watch it um, to see the visuals, but he has a lot of energy. <laughs> he was walk. <laughs> he was like walking around on that stage. At one point, he has a handheld microphone, even though he has actually has a lapel microphone as well, because at some points he actually lets the handheld down, but it can obviously still be heard. And he's just moving back and forth, really trying to drum up excitement in the crowd, which I think probably his team has thought. On the Republican side, as well on the Democratic side, obviously, you know, besides like Nikki Haley, like he he's young, he's far younger than mm. the others. And even if like mm. Pence or Christie get in, like they're much older than he is. That's so interesting, um, Melissa. And the front runner Trump is much older now. Obviously, DeSantis could be you know put on par with like age, but I think what they're what they've already seen DeSantis in action as governor. And, you know, he's definitely more like traditional behind a podium to give his remarks. And we've already mm. seen complaints by a lot of people who attend the fundraisers with um, with DeSantis saying that the retail politics, that sort of energy, his team is working really hard with him on that because that's sort of where he's weaker. Whereas I think Tim Scott's team is like come out of the gate looking very young, very spry, energetic so that people people can feel excited about the campaign. And then obviously when he goes into the preacher cadence, it's also fascinating as well. Um, when he starts, you know, uh, trying to, you know, not only drum up the crowd, but that's it, it's also harkens back. Because like right at the beginning of the clip, he's talking about his grandfather and the faith of his grandfather. And he's he talked about it in his exploratory committee announcement, um, his faith, his deep faith, the deep faith of his parents. But I think also what his campaign team have told him is what you were just saying. Make it so that everything you do, you are staying true to yourself so that when um, Democrats like, you know, back when Romney ran, you know, Democrats, one of their main sort of attacks on Romney was that he wasn't true to himself. He was a flip-flopper. He would the, be the, the, the be-anything, do-anything type of candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas for his team, they're telling him, 
one of the ways that you'll be able to create a new lane is not just the energy, the youngness, but also staying true to yourself, not flip-flopping, you know, everything that he's run on as senator, everything he's voted on as senator um, rings true with whatever his stump speeches look like and obviously his rhetoric. And then what I'm interested to see is obviously some policy platforms for him to see if those yeah. also run true. You know, I so I, I do think... Well, so... I've been a little struck with how transparently his campaign laid the trap and how uh, incredibly liberals have fallen into it. I mean, you just heard in the remarks there, you know, he he lays, you know, uh, that sort of progressives go after him because his 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 life story which you know is tied up with a race and class uh you know is a truth that you know uh, uh you know, uh, uh, that you know uh, counters their lies and he talked about sort of disparaging racist comments that have come from the left uh, when when he's been sort of out there, and we've seen like this this week in reaction to his announcement, like some racist things said about Tim Scott and the sort of he he you know he's he he doesn't get it da, da, da. and it's it, it actually gave him like a ton of earned uh, uh, of of free media, um, mm-hmm. and so that that was one sort of striking thing, and I don't think. I don't think progressives are going to be able to help themselves. Uh, Now, the fact that his campaign is playing into that, uh, I I think it's smart strategically. It does also show they're playing a kind of identity politics of of their own. Mm -hmm. And that's just, it's just sort of, uh, that's, that's reality. You could, you could, you could analyze that. You could have your opinions about that, um, but but that's that's clearly is clearly what's happening. Another thing I wanted to point out about the about his remarks and Melissa, you sort of said this off when we when we weren't recording. Uh, he he does a, a few things. One, you'll notice he often refers to the far left, mm-hmm. and obviously. Uh, and if you listen to other parts of the of his remarks, he's clearly trying to prove that he's not too nice to be president mm-hmm. for GOP primary voters. This has been, we've talked about this on an earlier episode, this mm-hmm. concern among GOP primary voters. If you're too nice, if you're too reasonable, if you don't hate the Democrats enough, then you don't have what it takes to be president. Scott has clearly sort of tried is doing a number of things to show that he can take the fight to the other side. One of them is by using the term far left. Now, what's interesting about that, you'll notice the, the this isn't the case all of the time, but often when politicians refer to the far left or the far right, one thing they're trying to do is appeal to winnable members of the other party. In other words, as opposed to saying, 
uh, Democrats are wrong on A, B, and C. Uh, Democrats are destroying the country or Republicans are destroying the country. You say the far left or the far right, and that gives a sort of permission for independence and, and, and winnable members of the other party to say, well, yeah, I don't agree with the, the, the extreme of my party either, and this can is appealing to me. So it's, it's an interesting sort of, he's trying to play to the base of the party while also not isolating, uh, isolating voters that he thinks he can win in a general, uh, in a general election. And so a very interesting announcement. I do want to play one more clip, Melissa, from uh, from uh, the close of his of his talk. Interestingly, he sort of steps down from the stage and almost kind of enters the crowd and gives gives an interesting interesting message. Listen to it here. You see. America is a city on the hill. We are the beacon in the midst of darkness. We have an unusual responsibility. We have the responsibility to prove that self-governance works. We have the responsibility to share for a thousand generations what America has done for me, she can do for you. Amen. This can't be another presidential campaign. We don't have time for that. Yes, sir. We, we, we need a president who persuades not just our friends and our base. We, we need a president that persuades. We have to do that with common sense, conservative principles, but we have to have a compassion for people. We have to have a compassion for people who don't agree with us. We have to believe that our ideas are so strong and so powerful and so persuasive that we can actually take it to the highest points in the world and be successful. But we also have to be able to take it all the way down to places that today are hopeless and prove that who we are works for all Americans. I'm living proof that God and a good family and the United States of America can do all things if we believe. Will you believe it with me? So, Melissa, just describe, because that's the first time you've seen that clip. It's the first time, yeah. Describe to folks what they may not have been able to see or even hear from, from that. Yeah, so the very beginning of the, the clip, you know, that America's a city on a hill, he's still up on stage with that microphone. That little break that you hear, he's walking down the stage and he's right at the front of the crowd. And so that's why you can hear the crowd's little comments as he goes along, which is incredible because his mic is picking it up, like the little yes. amen, the little yes, sir, um, those types of things. Um, when he says that we have to have a compassion for people we disagree with to get some woo yes. 
I'm at, at a campaign mm-hmm. announcement event. I, at a Republican campaign announcement event. That, like, fills up my fuel tank for a while that, okay, we're not as... And again, he says we're not as hopeless as we thought we would be. Like, I'm like, oh, this is even working on me. And, like, I, I do this for a living, and this is working on me. But the, one of the other reasons why it's it worked on me is that I think for a lot of our listeners who are conservative or Republican or independent-leaning that way, you were formerly, but you've gone independent, whatever that you have felt that um, the Republican Party has gone away from conservatism or the kind that you grew mm. up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with the idea that Tim Scott, that entire end of it, he doesn't say it, but what he is actually saying is that we got to show for the first time in a long time that these conservative ideals that we believe in actually do work and work on the ground and will create a better, more prosperous America. And I just find that absolutely fascinating that a candidate for 2024 is going this route. But again, his team, you know, they're looking for that through line, that pathway that will distinguish him between a Trump or a DeSantis. Whomever. Right. Because importantly, what it's so if, if you're closing your campaign rally with a we, we need to take this message everywhere. We need to help the nation see that our ideas are better, better for them. What he's not saying is basically what Trump said and kind of what DeSantis uh, uh, goes toward, which is like, we're going to just bulldoze, you know, the country. Like, like we have enough people to win and the rest of the uh, people who don't like it are just going to have to accept it. Um, like it's just a, it's just a different approach. I, um, I'd be very surprised if we do not see that clip from when he goes down into the crowd, uh, uh, taken back out before Iowa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, that is, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty moving, uh, uh, political theater, and I mean that in a values-neutral way. I mean, it's just the kind of moment on the campaign trail, which is, uh, you know, why, why I love politics. Um, and so Tim Scott is in. He has significant cash on hand. So he's going to have, uh, he, he may not have, uh, uh, he may not be entering this race independently wealthy, at least not to the extent that you know, Trump is and some of these other uh, candidates, but he has, uh, he's already proven the ability to raise significant sums of money. He seems to have the campaign infrastructure to go the long haul. And so, look, not saying he'll necessarily gain traction, not saying, but I'm would not count him out. Uh, uh, Tim Scott is in my my top tier uh, for likely uh, for for candidates running who can get the nomination, and we'll see how this how this uh, plays out. Uh, just a couple notes before we move on to DeSantis. Uh, you know, one of the early complicating factors here is that uh, both both Tim Scott and Nikki Haley are from the same state. And so mm-hmm. one of the dynamics you're going to see 
uh, and this is one of those like inside baseball kind of things that hopefully make uh, are part of what makes listening to this podcast worthwhile uh, to you. One of the things to look for as this campaign plays out is you're going to see a primary before the primary in South Carolina between Scott and Haley. Mm-hmm. And it is yeah. very, very, very unlikely that both Scott and Haley are going to be in the race when South Carolina votes. It is too big of a mm. risk for either of them to perform poorly in the state and particularly to get, you know, to get trounced by one or the other. And so, you know, fortunately for them, South Carolina isn't first. These aren't two candidates from from Iowa or even New Hampshire. South Carolina, so Iowa and New Hampshire will help with the weeding out process. But, uh, but, but uh, th- there's going to be a winnowing of the field between them before South Carolina, even, I think, if both of them do moderately well. Let's say that they place third and fourth in mm-hmm. Iowa and New Hampshire. I, I, I've... I, I really highly doubt both of them will go into South Carolina. So, so, so that's something to be on on the lookout for. And it's going to be interesting to see how much of their time they each spend in South Carolina. You would hope that that you could kind of take spend less time in South Carolina, invest in Iowa, New Hampshire, because voters know you in South Carolina mm-hmm. already. On the other hand, the, the expectations for you performing well in South Carolina are going to be sky high, and particularly in Haley's case, uh, she hasn't been an active politician in the state of South, South Carolina for quite some time. And so, so those are all dynamics that are going to play out. But uh, Melissa, Tim Scott was not the... Uh, the only candidate who announced this past week. And it's important to say, you know, Tim Scott in most of these polls is well under 10% national polls. He's mm-hmm. between three and five. That's totally normal for this time of, of, the, of, the, of the campaign. It really doesn't suggest too much given, you know, given recent pres- precedent. But Ron DeSantis uh, has been polling well, uh, he is at this point the clear alternative to Trump. If 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 you if there is an alternative to Trump, DeSantis is uh, in terms of public polling leading the pack. There was some speculation as to whether he'd run, but this week he made it official. Let's hear from Governor DeSantis. Uh, well, so we we should say, uh, so I'm going to play for you the video his campaign announced, uh, his campaign release making the announcement. Uh, he did have a separate announcement event, I guess we we could call it, and we'll tell you about that. But here's here's the the official campaign launch video from the DeSantis campaign. Our border is a disaster. 
crime infests our cities. The federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet, and the president flounders. But decline is a choice. Success is attainable, and freedom is worth fighting for. Riding the ship requires restoring sanity to our society, normalcy to our communities, and integrity to our institutions. Truth must be our foundation, and common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. In Florida, we prove that it can be done. We chose facts over fear, education over indoctrination, law and order over rioting and disorder. We held the line when freedom hung in the balance. We showed that we can and must revitalize America. We need the courage to lead and the strength to win. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. So that's the announcement video, uh, Melissa. Well, what what did you think? What, what what was your what kind of uh, impression did it leave you with? Well, the the yeah, you're right with the music. The music reminded me of Hans Zimmer's Time from Inception, which is is designed to make you feel like you're on the edge of the seat, but also made me also feel very nervous. Anyways, yeah, the lines just really strike me as very 2022 midterms which mm. is an interesting route to take, especially because, you know, we talk about Tim Scott trying to find a lane. Well, technically, like, DeSantis is trying to find a lane because he has, you know, in his time over the last, like, maybe, like, two years as as governor has gone very MAGA and has gone after MAGA constituents there and clearly will be making a play but how will he distinguish himself against Trump in a lot of ways? I mean, there's there are some very obvious ways, um, but it's very interesting that it was. It just felt you know, like you said, uh, like uh, the our borders. You know, he started off with our borders and crime. Those are two just 2022 uh, sort of lines that were battered again and again and again well yeah i mean so it is it is a uh desantis is hoping to take trump's issues but um be deemed a winner after trump lost in 2020 Mm -hmm. He's hoping that over the, I think he knows like Trump is going to have his his voters, but he's hoping to get enough of people who who like Trump's combative, um, visceral language. You know, like the reason why DeSantis puts the word infested into the first 10 words of that video is because he knows it's triggering for progressives and he wants to trigger them. It's a very like liberal tears kind of strategy. And that's, that's like, that's what our politics has turned into, particularly if you're, if you're running for uh, for Trump's voters, um, 
And so that's, that's his approach. He wants to show that he could take the fight to Democrats better than Trump could in 24. He's going to say, look, we're very grateful for what Trump did in 2016. We're thankful that we didn't have a President Hillary Clinton. Uh, but in 2024, Trump is a weak candidate. Uh, so let, let, you know, he'll say, let me take like that, this banner moving forward. Now, a number of things have harmed that strategy. One, we've talked before, the Disney fight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do, I do think, you know, this, this, you know, he wants to take on Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, but he can't even take on Mickey Mouse. Like that, that kind of thing is going to be, um, that, that's going to be undermining uh, for him as he tries to prosecute this case. The more that there's this perception that he was outmaneuvered by Disney or that, he was he was trying to perform uh, um, a uh, he was trying to perform a kind of uh, dominating uh, f- uh, fighter presence when voters Trump's voters feel like that's just who Trump is, uh, and so the the Disney thing could undermine it. The other thing that could undermine his sort of look at what I've done as governor, look at my polling, my negatives aren't as high as Trump's, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, you can trust me to defeat Joe Biden in 24. Uh, is a, a lapse in execution that was seen in how he launched his very campaign. And of, co- of mm-hmm. course, I'm talking about uh, the Elon Musk Twitter announcement. Now, look, I think I think people who have said, you know, voters aren't going to remember it in two weeks. I think that's basically right. Unless Donald Trump wants to keep reminding them. Like, he like, already you know, was on like, Truth Social. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I don't like I, I, I think Trump could continue to enjoy sort of uh, uh, making making something of. Uh, of this failed this this failure to launch uh, from DeSantis just for background for so uh, it was announced that DeSantis was going to announce his candidacy on on Twitter in an audio only setting so no video audio only with Elon Musk and I don't want to go into the details too much the the site crashed more than that, um, I found it to be profoundly undermining uh, um, uh, I thought DeSantis was put in a secondary position to Musk for his own announcement. So it was just really it was really weird. It was. On one hand, it was very tailored. It was a moderator, like a like a MC of their choosing, and it was a very you know, press weren't able to freely ask questions. They had a lineup of of speakers. On the other hand, 
none of it played out in a way that <laughs> made DeSantis look good. <laughs> Sometimes Elon Musk was taking up airtime over DeSantis. Elon Musk would follow up DeSantis's answers to questions asked to DeSantis. Uh, uh, Elon Musk would follow up with his own answers. Thomas Massey, a uh, congressman, was given the opportunity to ask a question. And, you know, of course, this was this was set up. And Thomas Massey spends the first, what seemed like the first 90 seconds or so, uh, talking about how much he admired Elon Musk and how he was the first congressman to own a Tesla. And this really, like, icky sort of... Uh, sort of, you know, um, kissing up to Musk. And it's like, wait, this is DeSantis's announcement event. <laughs> like, how do you get stood up at your own announcement? And it's very much like a Trump would never allow that to happen. And so, you know, I, I, I uh, so, so, so it, it was the, the whole thing was so poorly planned and executed, in my view, that it also undermines the idea that, oh, I'm a fighter like Trump, but I'm just in a better position. I, I can execute better when Trump has all this baggage. Um, uh, it's, it wasn't a great week for DeSantis, in, in my view. Yeah, it was, it was just so surprising how bad that Twitter space was, just how disorganized... Because in, in this age, you know, the the sort of digitization, the digital outreach of campaigns, what really began in 2008, the 2008 campaign, it became really sophisticated in 2012, even more sophisticated in 16 and 20, that you would think that these his comms team would have had a, at least, you know, several conversations. But then again, we know that Musk's team is apparently, you know, quite bare bones. And so I'm sure they promised that Twitter would be able to keep up with it. And then it didn't. So I mean, just that, just the sort of interruption, you know, at first, like the first, what, like 30 seconds in one minute, DeSantis wasn't even on, wasn't even in the space. Can you imagine the panic Oh, right. The yeah, panic, yeah, yeah. The panic I would not want to be one of his staffers, you know, as, as he's like, "What's going on?" <laughs> this is just not a not a pretty pretty scene. Um, but you know, I I think Melissa, they're gonna try and move on. They have again. I do agree. Like, I don't think we're gonna see him drop from no. 20, 30 points, like in a single. Like I, I. I um, don't think this is going to kill his campaign. He raised by any a lot chance. of money still in the first twenty five. Well, there, there's there's been there's been a lot of debate and back and forth about how much of that money was held to be released in those twenty four hours, uh, bundled okay. ahead of time uh, to 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 have the appearance of momentum upon launch. Because uh, from what I've been saying, Melissa, it's it's not. Uh, wasn't like a wave of small donors, <laughs> you know, like like five dollar mm-hmm. donations mm-hmm. that came through. It was it was bundled money. At least that's that's what I've been 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 seeing. Um, so uh, so so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of hit he, he he takes. He could even see a bump despite the botched 
you know, the botched announcement just because he is now officially a candidate. So there might be people who, who say, well, I've, I've heard about him. I like what he's done in Florida. I like what he did on COVID. And now that he's officially in, yeah, I'm supporting DeSantis. So so we'll just have to, we'll watch the polling. The, um, I expect to see uh, a number of new polls in the next week or so both because of all the announcements that have taken place. And also, I think folks are going to be interested to see in the aftermath of the debt ceiling negotiations what, what happens. But, um, but uh, you know, it's... Um, I, I guess one last thing to say is that Trump has gone after DeSantis pretty viciously. Oh, yeah. Um, it was immediate. It was within minutes. They immediate... Had- Full it was full chaos. I mean, just full chaos and, and unmoored attacks and and jokes that that are sort of out of time and space and out of like even like non jokes that don't have any ideological or political mooring, but are just memes and just mm-hmm. sort of like. Uh, uh, like online brain kind of kind of stuff. It was, uh, uh, but uh, but Trump clearly sees DeSantis as uh, his his chief competitor at, at at this point, and so I think that'll be a theme of 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 the summer. Uh, the two of them going back and forth. Uh, if they both they both you know make it make it that long uh, in terms of their their political uh, fortunes and, and and futures. Melissa, anything else you're looking for as uh, we, you know, the, the, the 2024 primary field, it's not completely set. We're Mm-mm. still looking to see if Christy jumps in. Governor from North Dakota, Sununu, I think, is taking a look. And if I'm Chris, if I'm, you know, some... Some of these guys, DeSantis, I don't think scared me off with his announcement. Uh, and so maybe some of them who were waiting to see how DeSantis would launch, maybe they now feel even more encouraged to to jump in. Well, the um, person I'm waiting on is Mike Pence. Right, if he makes it official, yeah. which is, is should be soon. Yeah, uh, if he if he we does just haven't heard, heard any inklings of exactly when it will be because we're about to hit June. If I were if I were Pence's team, I'd go okay. Let's do TikTok live. Yeah, <laughs> no, I do think that's a really good point, Melissa. Which is, I, I think the Santis probably didn't scare Mike Pence off. No, I, I don't think he did. And if anything, like again, I I just said it in jest. But if I were his team, I'd you know. TikTok comes with all of its own political baggage now, especially with how Congress is reacting towards it, that whole thing. But another platform he could choose to say, you know, you better get me the smoothest announcement sort of thing. He goes <laughs> on, he gets, they show, you know, millions of views kind of thing. And he's able to say, I was able to do it right. Yeah. With no errors. Yeah. But Melissa, uh, we've said before, you know, Mike Pence has wanted to be president his whole life, <laughs> really. Um and he was vice president. I think it's so, so. I think it's unlikely 
he's looking out at the field and and thinking about who he wants to throw his support behind. Mm-mm. Um, but he had. I, I mean, you feel like this long runway to an announcement has been him testing out the viability of a campaign that is not supported by the person that he served as a running mate to. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, it's a very hard thing to reckon with. Because when you're thinking about running, everyone around you wants you to run because it's their jobs, <laughs> you know, like, like they, like they're, uh, they're slated to go along with you for the ride and you can get inside a bubble. But I, I have to, I, I do wonder if he has, if he has the ability to step back and, and realize that it's not viable that the message doesn't work, that it's too complicated, mm-hmm. that, um, and I don't think he was impressed with DeSantis's run, but you gotta wonder if he saw Tim Scott's run and thought, you know, I could make a real difference. Yeah, be a kingmaker. Throwing my weight behind mm-hmm. Tim Scott. I completely agree because one of the reasons why I think he's gone so long is that I think his team, his team realized that the prime time for him to have jumped in was a week or two after the midterms. Um, yes. When all of the media was yes. completely down on Trump. Remember, we had the whole narrative November, December, January that Trump was out of touch, that the Republican Party was no longer, you know, running, you know, coming up behind him, defending him. They want somebody else. So he should have jumped in then. And mm. he would have ridden that wave as the clear alternative. It probably would have stumbled DeSantis in his discerning at that point as well. And I think that, that would, his narrative was created and Trump was down. And it might have been the sort of, you know, because Trump started to resurge again in February, March. And now is sort of back and obviously the indictment in new york really helped him kind of thing um but i'm really wondering if his team is regretting not jumping in at you know like december 1st um and is now wondering can we endorse or do we just jump in because it's you know it's been his destiny etc etc yeah no really really interesting and so uh again the field is taking shape and uh, it's going to be, there are a lot of sort of um, important sort of sub campaigns that are going to, are going to play out uh, and we'll track those as, uh, as it happens. Uh, I think that's all we have for this episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, you've been listening to Where We Are. Bye. the end of the weekend